Welcome to the Encounter Church Message Podcast, where we bring you the latest messages from our Sunday services. To find out more about Encounter or to plan your visit with us, you can find us online at www.encounter.cc. We hope you enjoyed this message. Why don't we just stay standing and I'll just pray over the word this morning. Heavenly Father, we just look to you. And I, I pray that your word, Father, is active, it's effective, and that whatever situation any individual and all of us are in, Father, that you can speak into it. You would speak into our souls. You would speak hope over every human. I, we speak hope over every circumstance. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Why don't we grab a seat this morning? And, uh, you know, I just really felt in worship God say that there's people in this room and he wants you to keep your eyes on him. Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. Don't get distracted by your circumstance or the season you're in or what people say, but just keep your eyes on him. Like, like the Melbourne Cup racehorse, you know? Have your blinkers on, you just look to Jesus. And uh, one other thing, my friends here, Chris and Michelle, I just really felt in worship that God's going to open a door. I just, just feel like open door and that he will make a way where there is no way. Amen. Amen. Let's give God a clap. Give God a clap. He speaks into people's souls. Okay, Christmas. How good is Christmas? The whole month of December, you know, you go to the shops, you know, when they're, yes, it's busy with people and, it's, and you know, there's activity happening, isn't there? The, you can feel it in the air the whole Christmas season and, and who's got their tree up now? Yeah. yeah, great, awesome. Get a tree, put it up, get in the spirit, enjoy the season. And, and uh, this is part two of our series, which is called Hope is Born. And I've been told today's message, God is able, God is able. And what I want to talk about today, of course, is hope. But, you know, when something is born, it generally happens in a moment. And some of the ladies is going, no, 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 you didn't have a baby. You know, it didn't happen in a moment. You know, I had 36 hours. It was 24 hours. Or, or maybe it was five minutes. I don't know. But, but it's momentary. It's, it's relatively short, really. But the lead up to it is a long time. You've got this nine months of pregnancy, you know, changes, body shapes, and, and mental stuff, and emotional, and food, and like, having the baby is, um, is really momentarily, the, the actual birth, in the scheme of the whole thing, but the point of birth is really like a catalyst, you know, when the baby comes, it's a catalyst of a new day, and you see, life, if you've never had a baby, you're about that, your life will never be the same, when that baby's born, it's never going to be the same, never for the rest of your life, even when they're grown up, and the, then it's... When, when something's born, it's, life is never the same. And, you, you know, you, you go and you get the baby and, and, and you've had this nine months lead up and, and you, they give it to you and you go out to the car and they check that you've got the baby capsule right and then they just wave you goodbye. I was always like, are you sure this is legal? Like, you're sending me out with this human being. I've not done a course. I've got no, I haven't read the book. I, there must be a license. Surely government regulates everything. But having a baby, there's no regulation. Just, just off you go. And so life is never the same when, when something's birthed or born. And, and it, it's basically a new season in your life. And that's what this, this message is about. Hope is born. See, when hope is born, it's a new day. When hope is born in your heart, it's a new season for you. These people getting water baptized, it's a new day, it's a new season. Christmas represents Jesus being born. Basically, it's a new season for humanity. When Christ was born, it was a new day for eternity for all of us. And all of us have these hopes and dreams of, of, of what we want to happen, or maybe God's spoken a promise over you. But really, if, if you're going to get anything out of this message today, it's this. To get from the now to the then. Hope will carry you. To get from the A to the B, to the to now to the what, 
I want to have. It's hope that will carry you. Like Kathy said last week when she preached a great message was, was that, that the veins are, are like hope. They carry the blood from your heart or to your heart. It's, it's, hope is that transporter. You know, I, as I prepared this message, I, I saw hope as a time machine. I think, ooh, this is interesting. Hope is like a time machine. You see, hope is believing that your present reality will change and you will end up in a future reality. See, hope is like a time machine. Hope is living in the now, knowing and believing that the future will happen as if you've already been there. That's what hope, hope is seeing something that doesn't exist right now. Even it might be totally opposite to your circumstance right now. Hope is you're putting yourself in that future reality, but you're not there yet. But hope has already got you there. It's like getting a rope with an anchor. Swing it around and you throw it out into the future. The anchor's already where you want to be. You're not there, but the anchor's there. You're just pulling on the the rope. That's what hope is. The Bible talks about Jesus being the anchor of our soul. See, hope is you've anchored your, your ship in a port that you can't see yet. That's what hope is. And without the hope, you can't get there. But hope is the thing that will carry you there. That's why we need hope to get us through all the storms and the choppy seas and the waves. We've got that hope to, to keep going on. See, before hope is birthed, but there's a bit of a journey. And I want to talk a bit today about giving stuff over to God precedes hope being birthed. Sometimes we get to our end we're totally at the end, and God's just saying, give it to me. I can't do this. This is hopeless. I, can't, I don't have what it takes. God says, give it to me. And then he bursts hope in a heart. And, you know, you might be like me. I think I know myself better than anyone else. So you think, you know, you can't tell me what to do. I know what's good for me. And we're all a bit like that. But at the end of the day, God knows what's best for you. He knows what's best for me. The Bible says that his ways are not my ways. God's ways are not my ways, even as the heavens are above the earth. In other words, he might have made a promise to you or you might have this dream. It's not the destination that, that, that's the thing. The journey to get there in God is not going to be your journey. It's not going to be how you think it should be done. Because he knows he's bigger, he, he, his network, like his white brains, white, like he's God. He can make things happen that we have no idea from left field. That's who he is. And we couldn't put Ephesians 3.20 up. It says, now to him... This is talking about God. Now to him who is able. God is able. Whatever you're facing today, God is able. He is bigger than any problem you have, no matter how big it is in your mind, in your heart, or your emotions, or how you're struggling. He is able, the Bible says, to do exceedingly and abundantly. Not just a little bit. He can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you ask or think. So you, don't, you can't even comprehend the things that God has for your future and your destiny and your lineage and, and generations after you. He's not, he wants to answer your little thing now, but man, he's, he's thinking big, big stuff. He's thinking big, big stuff that you don't even know about, but deep in your heart, you'd love to see come to pass. Does, do we really trust that God knows what he's doing? I think this comes. Do I really trust that God has my back? He has my best in mind. I think that is what some of this comes down to. We're going to look at a guy today in the Bible called Abraham. And Abraham is an example of a person that they call in the Bible the father of faith. Think of the father of faith. See, before people were walking in faith, before we understood the concept of faith, you might say, he was the innovator of faith. He believed God when no one necessarily was believing God. He, he was the instigator. Like He believed God in faith despite 
All the circumstances being the opposite. He, he believed in faith even to the point where it was craziness to believe and trust in God. And he's called the father of faith. And see, he, they, him and his wife couldn't have a child. All he wanted was a son. All he wanted was a son. But Jesus had a, God had a bigger plan. God wanted to bring the son through Abraham's lineage. Jesus Christ, who we celebrate on Christmas morning, was a direct descendant of Abraham. Abraham just wanted a son. God wanted to do exceedingly abundantly above all that Abraham could ask. He wanted to give him a son, and he wanted to bring a savior as a rescue package for the whole of humanity through Abraham's. See, I'm going off track here, but Abraham's hope and desire, Abraham's hope and desire was a part of a plan for a bigger group of people. You don't know your hope or dream that you've got right now is, is about a bigger group of people as well. God, see, God's thinking of a bigger group. He's thinking close. He's thinking bigger than you are thinking. My first point today is giving it over to God proceeds, proceeds hope. And I'm going to paraphrase the story of Abraham. See, Abraham is, is living in a place called Ur of the Chaldees. And God says to him, I want you to leave, take all your family, your goods, and go. And he goes. Like, where, Lord? He says, just go. Just go. So Abraham leaves not knowing where he's going to go. He just leaves. Not, most of us, we want to plan. We, where are we going? He says, just pack up and just go. But he just goes, okay, I heard the voice of God. I'm obeying. I don't know where I'm going. I'll trust that you know what you're doing better than I do. And God says, so I'm going to give you a, a land, a promised land. It's an inheritance for you. And, and that land now is the land of Israel. And he goes. And he takes Lot, his nephew, with him. And they get to this land that God eventually showed them. And when they got there, they prospered. They were blessed. They were, they were farmers of, of cattle. What would we call those people? Cattle farmers. There you go. I knew there was somebody in Shepparton who, who had the technical term. <laughs> awesome. They had all their cattle. And they prospered. Lot prospered, but he prospered because of Abraham. There was a blessing and a favor of Abraham because of his faith. Lot prospered. You know, sometimes we can connect our ship to something that's going somewhere, and we benefit from that blessing. You know, when we hook our, our wagon to something that's moving, we, we, we partner and unite with that, and we receive of the blessing of, the, of that boat or the ship or whatever. And so Lot was blessed because of Abraham, and they prospered together in this land to the point like they became very wealthy, very successful, had, and, and, and they started to fight with each other. Their servants would fight over wells and all this kind of stuff. So Abraham says, hey, Lot, you just pick where you want to go, and I'll go the opposite direction. So Lot, of course, goes, that's the best of the land. That's the greenest. It's got the water. I want the best. See, Lot's eyes were on self. I want what's good for me. Abraham was like, I want just peace with you. And so Lot goes to this area. It, it was basically the area of Sodom and Gomorrah before God nuked it, but it was prosperous then. Abraham just went in another direction. Because Abraham wasn't looking at the circumstance of, of the blessing and the environment of the land to be his source. Abraham's mentality was wherever I am, God will bless me. He is my provider, not favorable conditions. He can make something happen where there's nothing that could be happening. And so he goes and, and they continue to be prosperous. And then Lot is in this land of Sodom and Gomorrah and he starts hanging around. It's like the city life. He's hanging around the wrong crowd. And you know, he's, he's living a life of convenience, a life of convenience and comfort. And this king could, I'll say it as best I can, King Kildalomar. How was that? Kildalomar or something like that. That's it. Kildalomar. Okay, that's him. He comes with these other kings and he raids the land. He takes Lot and his children, his possessions and all his neighbors and takes them away. Abraham could have sat there and gone, he got what he deserved. 
It's none of my business. But he gathers his men together and they chase after these kings. He risks his protection, his life, his men's livelihood, everything they have, because he wasn't a living a life of comfort. He lived a life of conviction. And he, he got discomfortable, uncomfortable. And then he overtook these kings and won all the people back and all the plunder of the land because he lived out of his comfort zones, out of his, out of his conviction. So to people today who are doing water baptism, are like people that are getting uncomfortable. They're going to get in the water. They're making a public declaration, which is uncomfortable. Public direct declaration of, I have decided to follow Jesus. See, Abraham gives to God after this. Let's read generation, gener- generation. It's the water. Genesis 14, 17 to 20. We could put that up. After Abram, I'll explain it in a minute, returned from defeating Kidaloma and his allied kings, the king of Sodom came out to greet him in the valley of Shavif, the king's valley. Melchizedek, Kathy mentioned him last week, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of the most high God and blessed him. Abram gave him a tenth of all the recovered plunder. So there's this picture of Abraham coming back from this battle, having restored. And this priest comes out called Melchizedek. Jesus is called the pri- a priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek is believed to have not been born nor died. There's this picture that he was, he, without getting to theology, a representation of the kingdom of God. He, he was like Jesus on the earth in that day. So it, this picture is of, of Abraham returning and God's ambassador comes to greet him with communion, with bread and wine, w- with the sacrifice, of Je- like the sacrifice that would be to come. And that bread and wine represented refreshment and peace with God and, 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 and favor. And then Abraham's response was one of giving 10%. See, that's our response to God is to give. And tithing's not a law. It's just a biblical policy and principle that was before the law. Abraham was before the law. He just gave, so Abraham's response was God gave reconciliation and peace. Abraham's like, I'm going to give you the treasure that people hold deep in their heart on this earth. And they gave to God. And as we continue that story... God ends up changing his name. So he said, Abram. Abram means father. He couldn't have children. He couldn't have children. It's a bit ironic. Hi, my name's Abraham. It means father. I have no children. And then God says, because you gave, because you followed me, because your heart is with me, because your heart is of faith, I'm going to change your identity. Remember, we've been talking about identity. God says, I'm changing your identity from Abram, Abram to Abraham. He still has no kids. See, Abraham means father of many nations. He's got no children. But even father is a faith step. But God has seedingly, abundantly, can do above all we ask or think. And he starts giving Abraham a new identity and says, you will be a father of nations and peoples and, and, and thousands of them. Because what he has for you and I is far bigger than we could ask or think. Abraham then gives to others. It says in verse 21 to 23 there, the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me back the people and keep all the plunder for yourself. But Abram told the king of Sodom, I swear to God, the most high God, creator of heaven and earth, this solemn oath, that I'll take nothing from you, not as much as a thread or shoestring. I'm not going to have you going around saying I made Abram rich. See, Abram, or Abraham was entitled to all the spoil and plunder. Legally, as, in that day, as winning the battle, all the plunder was his. He didn't have to give back even the people. But he goes, you know what? Again, my provider is, is, is not through others' misfortunes or their silly decisions. My provider is the creator of the heavens and the earth. And after this, he can bless me more than this. He can do more and abundantly. My hope and my trust is in him. 
My next point is hope is born after we give it over to God. After we give it over to God, hope is born. See, out of our hopelessness. See, sometimes we have to get to a point of hopelessness for that hope to be born. Sometimes we have to get to that bursting of, of, the, of, of the discomfort of, of about to give birth. Then the baby comes forth in that hour. Genesis 15, 1 to 6 says this. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield and reward. I am your shield, your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. See, hope was birthed in that very moment. Hope was birth. He had the struggles. He had the battles. He, he, he had the discomfort. He had the risk. He gave it all. He, the point when God spoke, when the word of God spoke into his heart, hope was birth. That was the moment hope was birth. Because it says this, this man shall not, but this is God speaking to him. It says, this man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and the number of stars. If you are able to number them, then he said, so shall your descendants be. That was hope was birthing. One word from God, one sentence of reading the Bible that can speak into your spirit, one whisper in your soul when you're praying, you can live on that for years. You know, one sentence from him is worth a thousand that people around you can tell their advice, what they think. But God, who knows the future, speaks words into our hearts, and those words are anchors. When God speaks into our heart, He calls those things and are not as if they were. He's giving you a capsule, a time capsule of the reality that will happen in the future. If you hold on to hope and trust in Him, you will get to that moment. And I can picture Abraham out in his tent on the hills, and he's just had that battle. You know what? I, I think God's speaking to him saying, hey, Abraham's thinking, what have I done? They, the, the other kings didn't even know who I was. All of a sudden, I've, I've stuck my head up. All of a sudden, I've got a target on my back. All of a sudden, I've embarrassed them. See, I could have just stayed in my place and had my community and what I was doing, but he left his discomfort to go fight this battle. See, he now was a target of all the other kings because he had all this plunder to them. He'd embarrassed them. See, he's like, I'm in my tent at night. Are they going to come attack us now? There was this sense of vulnerability. And then I think there was this sense of, I had all this stuff. I just gave it away. Did I do the right thing? Was that the right thing, God? Because you gave me the victory and, and you gave me the possessions. I should have just kept them. If I disrespect you, I could see this battle going on. Because God generally comes in our, our discomfort and our battle. Like he comes in that hour, generally when we need it. And so I could see Abraham would have been in a bit of turmoil. See, God says there, I'm your shield. One, I'm your protector in this situation. I've got your back. And he says, I am your great reward. Not the plunder you gave away. I am your shield and I am your great reward. There is God speaking into his soul. Speaking into his soul. Abraham was in a helpless situation. You know, there's things that we can do to make things happen. But when you can't have a baby and you're living like a few thousand years ago, there's no IVF. You, he had no power to do that like I'm sure they went to the, the health food shop and they got the the kale and they, they ate the special vitamins and they they went on their beetroot diet and and oh yeah we, and they're going to get a boy if we do they, I'm sure they did all the things of the day that they need to do as well as the physical act because that has to happen or else you can't you know so they're stepping in faith and and so they're doing everything they can 
years, and they couldn't have a baby. He's in a situation where his greatest desire of all his possessions and wealth was to pass on to a son. They had that lineage to carry it on, because if he, if he died tomorrow, it would go to one of his servants. It was, it was a deep desire within his heart. Some of you may be feeling like Abraham, like, hey, I've got this thing on my heart, but I feel anxious. You know, I, I feel ripped off, you know, I... I gave away all my stuff and maybe a marriage settlement just to keep the peace. Did I do the right thing? You know, maybe you're feeling somebody ripped you off in business or whatever it might be. You know, Abraham knows what it's like to have faith and hope despite feeling all the feelings that we feel of maybe our crops didn't go the way we wanted or, 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 or maybe, hey, my bank account's not where I wanted or, or this stuff that I'm going through. I, like all of us feel this stuff, but we've got to walk in faith and hope through it because hope and faith is the time machine that will get you to the new season see in that situation when God spoke to him something happened hope was birthed in Abraham at that moment see hope can be birthed in a moment went outside and God says look at the stars as many there are if you could count them so your descendants will be it's like well we've been trying for 10 years to have a like seriously it says, so, so your descendants be. Born in a moment. See, Abraham only wanted a son. But God wanted to give him generational legacy. He just wanted a son. God said, hey, I'm going to give you a son. But I'm able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you could even ask or think. Sometimes we wonder why the circumstances are going a certain way. And I, but, you know, you don't know. God's ways are not our ways. He's, he's trying to work out that thing in the future as well as the thing now. And he's trying to pull the strings together. And just because we don't understand it, we've got to trust and know that he has your highest good in order. See, Abraham never had a child for about 25 years. 25 years they waited. He just dragged in hope, lived in hope. See, God's dream for Abraham was far bigger than he could imagine because generations, thousands of years later, because Abraham had a little hope in having a son, God used that hope to be a rescue package for the whole of creation and humanity. Because Jesus Christ, born Christmas Day, direct descendant of Abraham. If Abraham's hope of a son didn't happen, the Christ wasn't happening. These little things can go into big things. So your little hope or whatever you might feel is insignificant. See, it could be the pivotal doorway of a massive blessing for so many people. So you need to hold on to your hope because all these people over here are depending on you to get their hope, to get their dream from God because God's using you. So there's people in the room and, and you're believing God and maybe you're the first of your generation or maybe you're not who believe Jesus. But, but Jesus, God's looking, hey, there's prime ministers from your grandkids. You've got fourth generation kids that are going to be scientists that will discover cures for diseases that don't even exist today. He's got this strategy for the whole of humanity. And so we've got to hold on to our hope because our hope and our futures and our loved ones down the track are dependent on your decisions today. As I conclude, because we're going a bit short today because we're going to do communion, if the music guys could come up. When something is born, it generally might happen in a moment. But man, the journey there can be like a pregnancy. It could be coming a pivotal thing to a catalyst. But when that thing is birthed, when hope is born, when there's a new hope in your heart, it's a new day. It's a new season. These guys getting water baptized, it's a new day, it's a new season. When, when you've been walking, you get to a point of absolute disappointment. 
God says, hey, give it over to me. If you give it over to me, even though it seems so hopeless, just give it over to me. And in that place of maybe darkness and fear and not knowing and even maybe not having faith, God can birth hope just as a single word from his mouth into your soul. And all of a sudden, your circumstances haven't changed. Nothing's changed. Something in your heart happened because God gave you a promise. He's spoken you season into you. And as you hold on to that thing in hope and faith, it will be the anchor that continues you through whatever the period takes to you're actually in the reality that he told you would come to pass. It's the time machine. Good news is that out, out of what seems like a hopeless situation to us, God can birth hope. He says, my ways are not your ways. As the heavens are above the earth, so is his way above ours. In Ephesians 3.20, why? Now to him who is able, God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we ask or think. We just need to trust and hope in the thing we're going for, the thing that we feel like he's given us. Let him take about. Abraham had no control over his son and what he would do and his grandson and grandson and granddaughter. He had no control. How, how did Abraham control that Jesus Christ would be born fully God from a virgin and be the Savior? He didn't. He just had to believe his part. He just had to obey his lot, what he was a steward of, and let God take care of the rest. Thank you for listening to this message. To stay in touch with Encounter, follow us on Instagram at encounter.cc or find us on Facebook at encounter.shepparton.